This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. This week we uh, start our study of Parshat Truma and the phenomenal world of the Mishkan. We suddenly find ourselves in a world of materials, of, as it says in the opening of the parasha, Zahav v'chesef v'nechoshet, gold and silver and copper, v'techelet v'aragaman v'tolat shani v'sheish v'izim, a whole wealth of, of royal materials, of shemen ha'ma'or, of anointing, of, of anointing oil, of lighting oil, shemen ha'mishcha, precious stones. And all of this, all of these wonderful materials, the uh, contributions of B'nai Israel for the Mishkan, for the tabernacle, are meant to create this holy abode for God, this sanctuary, as it says in the opening lines of the parasha, Asuli migdash v'shachanti b'tocham. Make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell amongst them. This is the place where God can dwell amongst B'nai Israel. Now many people, when they approach Parsha Truma, encounter a certain difficulty. Now, one difficulty is just imagining all of this. For those of us who aren't architects and interior designers, it is sometimes difficult to conjure up in our mind's eye uh, how all of this looked. And I strongly recommend that you look in the charts which sometimes appear in Chumashim or in various books, because sometimes it is it's virtually impossible to really follow the Parsha without some sort of um, aid for visualization, visualization, some sort of artist rendition of how these things looked. And if you look at one of these books, it certainly will help. But I think one of the other problems we have is that with all of this uh, architectural detail, uh, two and a half cubits by one and a half cubits, uh, knowing what is acacia wood and what is solid gold, we sometimes uh, find it difficult to probe the spiritual messages and the spiritual depth of Parashat Truma. Um, sometimes God just does not appear to be in the details. It's not that God is in the details. God is not in the details. We find it difficult to understand why all of this technical detail will lead us to a greater understanding of Hashem. And so what we're going to try to do in the uh, few minutes that we have together is to tease out some of this spiritual meaning behind the detail. We're going to look at certain phenomena in this week's parsha and certain uh, features of the Mikdash, and we're going to try and understand the spiritual principles which guide their construction. And to start this process, we're going to turn to chapter 26, which describes the coverings and fabrics of the Mishkan. Uh, I think a couple of words of introduction are necessary in order to understand what we're doing here. The Mishkan, uh, the tabernacle, consists of a few different zones. The outer zone is is an open-air courtyard. And in this courtyard, you you will find the the, uh, Mizbeach, the sacrificial altar. And that is outside in the the courtyard. However, at the center of the Mishkan is a closed area, a covered area, a closed room. This room is created by Krashim, boards which interlock one into the other and create a structure which is 30 cubits long, 30 amot long and 10 amot wide, 30 by 10. 
How is the roof constructed? How do we make a roof that is not made through the acacia wood? It is not made through wooden boards. The roof is actually made of fabric. And the way this happens is that there are fabrics which are laid over the Mishkan, uh, fabrics, large uh, sheets of material, which are draped over the roof and uh, lie over the walls of the Mishkan. And these uh, fabrics constitute a sort of covering on the outside. They are the roof and they are also the walls. Now I keep on saying fabrics in the plural and materials because actually there are three coverings of the Mishkan. The lowest is, is, is known by that name. The lowest is called the Mishkan and it is phenomenally ornate. The second is called the Ohel, the tent. And the tent is not ornate at all. It is made of simple goat's hair, uh, Uriot Izim. And it covers it on top and actually totally covers it so that you can't even see the Mishkan on the outside. And at the top is a Mikhseh, a covering. So we have three these. The lowest, the name of the Mishkan, is beautiful. The materials are Sheish It is made out of goat's hair. And the third is the Mikhseh. And let's try and analyze each of them. We know it from the Tzitzit. And we know that Tchelet was a royal thread. Only royalty could afford it because it was so expensive. This royal clothing is made out of Tchelet, the blue thread. We also know that it was embroidered beautifully because it says groups of cherubs, kruvim, angelic figures. And this is called the Mishkan. It must have been quite something to behold, somebody who went inside the tent. And it really looked like just like a Bedouin tent. If any of you have visited uh, the Negev or Midbar side, the Mishkan looked tremendously simple because the covering which was on top of the Mishkan, this royal covering, is simply called the of the sheep and the goats which they tend in the fields. Uriotizim, goat's hair, it is simply an ornate one. The Ohel, the simple one, and the uh, Mikhseh, which is made out of animal a Bedouin tent. This is the Ohel al Hamishkan. The third covering, the third covering is a Mikhseh, and it's made out of animal skins. It's made out of Orot Elim Odamim. Um, the skins of Elim and also the skins of Tchashim. We don't quite know what these animals are, but it would appear that the third covering, which was only Milmala, it was only on the top. The third covering was there to waterproof the Mishkan. So we have three coverings, the Mishkan at the bottom, the audience. Now let's try and characterize each of these coverings. The lowest covering is the Mishkan. And what does this name indicate? Mishkan clearly, um, well, the, what does the word mean? We're familiar with this from the word Shechina. But really the word Shechina comes from the word Lishkan, to dwell. Um, it's interesting that uh, really Hashem is becoming our Shachain. For Asuli Mikdash, you make me a sanctuary. For Shachanti Betocham, when we think about Shechina, sometimes we think about something very, very spiritual, very holy, but really... Hashem is just Shachanti. He is becoming our Shachen. He is moving to the Shechuna, to the neighborhood. Mishkan indicates that God is residing amongst us. He is residing amongst Bnei Yisrael. And of course, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is 
residing amongst us, he deserves a house which is fit for a king, a house which is fit for royalty, and therefore the Mishkan is um, a covering, the lowest covering, the covering that we see on the inside of this building, of this structure, and it is uh, has has the most beautiful fabrics. It has royal royal uh, fabrics which are befitting for the Melech Malchei Hamlachim. However, the second layer of fabric, which we see from the outside, is just plain and normal. From the outside, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's house appears like anybody else's house. And I'm always wondering what this message, what message this is telling us. You know, these two words, Ohel and Mishkan, are actually the words that we know of the Mishkan. On the one hand, it is called Mishkan, God's residence. And on the other hand, it is called Ohel Mo'ed, the tent of meeting. In other words, how should I put this? From the outside, this looks like a regular Bedouin tent. It looks like any home of every human being, uh, a wealthy human being, because it's a large home, 30 cubits by 10 cubits. But this could be the home of a, of a person. And what exactly are we saying here? We're saying that this is an Ohel. Ohel Moed, a place of meeting. This is an, a point of accessibility to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. From the outside, God is saying, I'm just like anybody else. You can come to my house. I would like to meet you here. Um, from the inside, from God's perspective, oh, this is the residence of God. This is the Mishkan. This is the place where God's presence is. Oh, here I need to have royal fabrics. I need to have very beautiful um, features because this is fit for a king. Now this dual nature of the Mishkan, um, I think is, it follows all the way through its structure. And here I'd like to turn away from the fabrics of the Mishkan and try and look at some of the furniture of the Mishkan. The first um, clea that we see in the Mishkan in the description here in Parashat Truma is the Aron is the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, this is a very, very beautiful uh, piece made out of gold. And it houses the Luchot, the two tablets of stone. And the question is, what exactly uh, this Kli means? The Ramban, Nachmanides, in the opening of our Parsha, has an explanation, a, a famous explanation. And I would like to uh, talk a little bit about the Ramban Nachmanis explanation, and, and this is what he says. He says, he opens the parsha and says, I'm quoting from from the Ramban. He says, God had spoken with Bnei Israel face to face and had delivered them the Ten Commandments. He describes the way that Hashem had actually communicated with us in the in the parshiot before. Here, we've just come out of Matan Torah. We've just come up out of Har Sinai. And he says, uh, Am Yisrael had accepted the performance of commands that Hashem would issue us via Moshe. And says the Ramban, um, we had made a covenant with Hashem. A covenant had been cut on this very act. And now we are God's nation. We are God's nation. And he is to us as a God, as he had said from the start, 
you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If this is true, says the Ramban, it is most befitting for a holy nation that be within their midst, a Mikdash, a sanctuary, so that God's presence may dwell amongst them. And that is why he commanded at the very first command after Matan Torah, that there be a Mishkan, a house sacred to his name, where he could speak with Moshe and command the children of Israel. And now he says like this, the central desire, the central mission of the Mishkan, the central focus of the Mishkan, that is the place of God's presence, is the Aron. The Aron, the Ark, is the major place of God's presence, as he says, and quotes from the beginning of the parasha, chapter 25, verse 22, As God says, There I will meet you, and I will speak to you from above the kaporet, which is the covering of the Ark, and the Ramban says, this is the reason that the Aron is mentioned at the top of the list, for it is the highest in level. In other words, what is Nachmanides, what is the Ramban saying? He says, what is the purpose of the Mishkan? Hashem made a covenant with Bnei Israel at Har Sinai. Hashem, we became God's people, He became our God. We made a covenant in order to be connected one to the other. However, a covenant means there has to be relationship. Relationship means there has to be communication. And how exactly do we communicate with God? How does God communicate with us? Well, if you look at the the story of the of the Aaron and the way it's described in chapter 25, at the end of the description of the Aaron, God says to Moshe, uh, you, that uh, I will meet you there on the Aaron, and I will speak to you from above the kaporet, from above its covering, from between the cherubs, in other words, when I need to speak to you, where will I speak to you from? I will speak to you from the Aron. That is the place where I can communicate. That is where there will be dibor. That is where there will be verbal communication from God to B'nai Israel. In other words, if we want to have a relationship with God, God can be located, if he can be located in space, God's at least voice or God's presence, not his entire entity, can be located from above the Aron. Now, Nachmanides the Ramban goes to explain this in a further, in a further explanation, and this is what he says, and I actually love this explanation, it's quite incredible. He says that, uh, what is, what is going on here? The Ramban says, "V'sod hamishkan shiur hakavod asheshacham al har Sinai shochen alav nistar." The Mishkan actually is a miniature Mount Sinai. Let's explain. He says the same language is used about Mount Sinai, where the phrase used is, "Vayishkan kavod Hashem al har Sinai," the kavod Hashem, the honor of God, which rested on har Sinai. The same words are used with the Mishkan, or kavod Hashem aleyat Mishkan, God's presence. And the Mishkan is the same as on Har Sinai. And if you think about it like this, on Har Sinai at Mount Sinai, at the top of the mountain, who could go there? Only the person with the greatest preparedness could go there. Only Moshe Rabbeinu could go to the top of the mountain, which was sort of considered to be God's zone. In the Mishkan, 
in the Kodesh Kodashim, in the Holy of Holies, who goes in there? Only the Kohen Gadol, and he can only go there on um, choice occasions, and he goes all the way into the Kodesh Kodashim. The truth is that in Parshat Truma, the person who goes in is Moshe. And why does Moshe go into the Kodesh Kodashim? To speak to God. Oh, well, that's exactly what Moshe did on Har Sinai. He went to hear God say, and here I quote from Parshat Truma, God says, what will I do above the uh, covering of the ark from between the two cherubs? I will instruct B'nai Israel. That is the place where we receive instruction. I will, uh, God says, I will speak to you at Kol Israel, all the commands to B'nai Israel. In other words, the Mishkan resembles the top of the mountain. It has restricted entry. Only Moshe can go there. And it is the purpose of it is speech. In the Holy of Holies, there is the Kvod Hashem, just like there was on the mountain. And it is hidden from view, just like on the mountain. And just like on the mountain, we received the two tablets of stone, the Luchot, or as they're called here, the Eidut, the testimony to the relationship. Likewise, in the Holy of Holies, sits a box which contains the testimony, the testimony to the relationship, and God's presence is manifest there in this hidden place, in this restricted zone, at the top of, uh, in the Kodesh Kodeshim, in the innermost point of the Mishkan. The Ramban goes even further and wants to claim that, uh, you know, he says, yes, the voice came from heaven um, on Har Sinai and spoke to the Jewish people, and likewise, the voice comes to Moshe in the Mishkan, in the Holy of Holies from above the Ark, and he suggests that the gold of the Ark, and in fact the Kruvim, the angelic figures on the Ark, represent the fire, the fire of Harsinai, the sort of the gold, the fire. And, uh, you know, when, when the Koen Gadol had to go in, he usually would go in with incense and create a cloud. We all remember the cloud enveloping the top of Harsinai. This is quite a amazing explanation that the Ramban is presenting. It's very visual. Um, and what the Ramban is, is suggesting is that the Mishkan is indeed a residence for God. But uh, how would I put it? The Mishkan facilitates the possibility that Har Sinai is not just simply a once-only event. Har Sinai can be perpetuated. HaKadosh Baruch who came to speak to Bnei Israel at Har Sinai and to create his relationship with Bnei Israel at Har Sinai. But that shouldn't be a one-only occasion. That shouldn't be a moment in history. That has to be a perpetual movement, a perpetual situation. And the way we continue the Har Sinai experience, the way we continue the living experience of God is in the Mishkan. God can speak to us. God can, can um, confront us. God can instruct us. And we can feel his presence. And we know that he is amongst us in our midst. And in the same way as Vayichan Yisrael Neged Ahar, Am Yisrael encamped all around the mountain, likewise, the whole Jewish people are encamped, Mi Neged Saviv Lo'ohel Mo'ed, we are all encamped around the Mishkan, we take Har Sinai with us in the form of the Mishkan. This is quite a breathtaking depiction on uh, that the Ramban is giving us. However, what I would like to do is present a contrast to the Ramban 
a contrast to Nachmanides in the form of Maimonides, the Rambam. The Rambam in his Hilchot Beit HaBechira, in his uh, magnum opus, the Vishnu Torah, the Rambam has the laws of the temple. And this is how he uh, introduces the notion of the Mikdash or the Mishkan when he talks uh, in his laws of laws of the Beit HaBechira. This is what he has to say. He says, Mitzvah la Lashem it is a command, a command from the Torah, to make a house for God, which will enable the sacrificial service. And the nation will celebrate there three times a year. And he quotes from our, from our uh, parasha, Where do we learn this from? Because it says, You shall make for me a sanctuary. And he says, The Torah has already described the Mishkan that Moshe made. But, he says, that structure was temporary. And uh, later on, they would make a more permanent Mikdash. In other words, the Rambam sees the Mishkan as the precursor of the temple later on in Jerusalem. The Mishkan was just temporary, but essentially, the verse here of Asuli Mikdash, make a sanctuary, is not only the commanding statement of the Mishkan, it is the commanding statement later on of the of the Temple. A lot of commentators have paid attention to the order in which the Rambam um, talks about the vessels of the Mishkan, the Kalim of the Mishkan, because here in Hilchot Beit HaBechira, in the first chapter, Halach um, Vav, we read, V'osim Bamikdash Kalim, you make certain... Um, kelim, certain vessels in the Mishkan, and here's the order. Mizbeach lo'ola ulashara karbonot. The first thing he mentions is the altar and the ramp for the altar, and then he goes in and talks about um, the basin where you can wash your hands and feet in order to prepare for the service, and later on he talks about the shulchan and the menorah. And the remarkable thing about the Rambam is that he misses out. Practically, he misses out the Aron. For the Ramban, for Nachmanides, the Aron was the central feature. The Aron was the seat of the Shekhinah. The Aron was the place which sort of recreated Harsina in our midst. However, for Maimonides, for the Rambam, he barely even mentions the Aron. He barely mentions the Ark of the Covenant. The Rambam is much more interested in the Mizbeach, the sacrificial altar. And the question is why? First of all, let us point out that historically in the Second Temple we had a working temple, but there was no Aron, there was no uh, there was no Ark of the Covenant. It had been hidden away during the First Temple period, and uh, we're told by the Mishnah that there was only a stone there. It was merely the foundation stone, the Evan Hashtia. And there was actually no Ark of the Covenant. It had been hidden away without any Luchot. You cannot make an Ark of the, Co- Ark of the Covenant. If you don't have the tablets of stone inside, there's nothing to make. And it simply did not exist in the Second Temple. Maybe the Rambam thinks that uh, without, if, if you can manage without a uh, Aron, then obviously it is not essential. It is not of the essence to the Mishkan. And he certainly has a good point. But 
I think the Rambam is saying something uh, different. In the Ram, in Maimonides' perspective, in the Rambam's perspective, the temple or the Mishkan has a different focal point. For the Rambam, the center of the Migdash is the Mizbeach, is the altar. And one could ask why. Because according to Maimonides, the Rambam, the central function of the Migdash is our service to God. And we serve God by bringing korbanot, sacrifices upon the altar. What what we're saying is that essentially the role is korbanot, and let's pay attention to the fact that the word korbanot come from the word comes from the word kirva, comes from the word to come close, lihit karev to God. And therefore, says the Rambam, the Mishkan is not a place for God. It's not a place for God shechina. It is a place for us. It is a place for us to worship God. My business is not what goes on in the Kodesh Kodashim, in the Holy of Holies. God will worry about that. But when we make a Mikdash, we build a Mikdash so that it will facilitate our service of God. And we can't serve inside the Kodesh or the Kodesh Kodashim that is left to the Kohanim. All we can do is to serve and to bring our own Olotechem v'zivchehem. We can bring our sacrifices al Mizbechi, on the, on the holy, holy Altar. I find this very fascinating because I think that the difference between the Mishkan in the world of the Ramban, Nachmanides, and the Mishkan in the world of the of Maimonides are totally different. The difference of emphasis as to where is the center point of the Mishkan, um, it's not architectural, it's ideological. If you put the Aron at the center, like Nachmanides, like the Ramban, it means the primary function of the Midash is the creation of a seat for the Shekhinah, the primary purpose is Shekhinah, is God's presence. God is approaching man. God comes to man. But if I put the Mizbeach at the center, I reverse the direction completely. When the Mizbeach is at the center of the Mishkan, I focus not upon how God comes to man, but how I may serve God. I see myself as God's servant, and the Mishkan is the place that allows me to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The aim is not so much that God descends to earth, but rather that mankind can ascend to Hashem. Man approaches, man ascends to Hashem. And it's fascinating that both the Aron and the Mizbeach exist on the central axis. They are actually aligned in terms of the architecture of the Mishkan. However, the Aron is deep inside in a restricted hidden place. The Aron, which is also on the central axis, is outside in the open courtyard, visible to everybody, accessible to all, inviting people to lihit karev, to come close to God. If I can return back to the coverings of the Mishkan, I said that we started off with two different coverings. One was called Mishkan, which was all royal and regal, and had very expensive materials and signs of kruvim, and I said that represented God's space. That was from the inside. Nobody saw that covering at all, except people who served inside the Mishkan, the few select Kohanim who, who did the Avoda inside. However, from the outside, the Mishkan looked like anybody's residence. It was covered in a goat hair uh, covering. It looked just like any Bedouin tent in the Mikdash. It was, this is called the Ohel. Ohel Mo'ed, tent, tent of meeting. Hashem is saying, I want to meet you. 
um, I think the same dichotomy or the same um, dialectic that exists between Mishkan and Ohel, the very royal Mishkan coverings and the Ohel, the very ordinary plain coverings on the outside, is the same dichotomy in a sense between the Aron and the Mizbeach. The Aron which is hidden from view, which represents the inaccessible top of Mount Sinai, which we're able to carry it carry with us as we walk through the, Migdar, the, the, the Midbar as we walk through the wilderness we carry Har Sinai along with us but it's in a very very hidden place this is a huge contrast to the Mizbeach to the altar which is visible which is huge, which is accessible which is open and which allows us to ascend the mountain ascend the ramp up to the Mizbeach to God um, the aim of the Mishkan is God doesn't need a temple. God is giving us an opportunity to be to be in our midst, to have a, a point of contact. And it's fascinating that different thinkers see it from two different directions. As I said before, is God descending to man? Is God descending to Am Yisrael? Is the Shekhinah coming down, so to speak? Or, the other alternative is, that we are able to come in to meet with God, we are able to bring korbanot, to come close to God, we are able to have this, this meeting point. Whether the meeting point is in the Kodesh Kodashim, that was true for Moshe, or whether the meeting point is at the Mizbeach, which is true for the common man amongst Bnei Israel, the rank and file of Bnei Israel could only meet God at the Mizbeach, the aim of this structure is in order to have contact, in order to have a living experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in order, as the Ramban says, to feel the texture of the covenant, the notion that we are engaged in a relationship with Hashem, that Hashem wishes to issue us with His Torah, with His teaching, with His command, and that we are able in some way to be in, in contact with that um, very distant hidden being, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, that we're able to have some form of contact with him. And therefore, what I hope we've been able to uh, put into focus in this week's parasha is the way that some of the architectural details, and even some of the debates, the Ramban, Nachmanides, who sees the Aron so, so critical, and the Ramban, Maimonides, who sees the Mizbeach as so critical, um, essentially we're looking from different sides of the looking glass at this notion of relationship. The idea that this should be a mishkan, a residence for God, and an ohel mo'ed, a tent of meeting. And indeed, we should be zocher to have this very intimate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Shabbat Shalom.